All right, here we are. Here comes the Spider Cast number five. I am your co-host, Mike L. And I am your other co-host, Josh Murr. Uh, today we're going to be looking at November of 1980 uh, Spidey Comics. Uh, I think we're going to be yeah. starting off with Amazing Spider-Man 210. You got it. Um, so yeah, this was a this was a, a pretty good one. I thought uh, this one we see Spider-Man introduced to Madame Web. And yes. uh, yeah, it was a. I thought it was a pretty solid story. Some really good art. I thought. Well, we should yeah we should point out it's written by Denny O'Neill. Mm-hmm. Which who we've covered a lot of his uh, Spidey comics lately, and it's drawn by John Romita Jr., yeah. who is a who's a very divisive artist. He's actually one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. I really like. I don't him. know about you. Yeah, me too. Like mm-hmm. he is one of the few guys who I will buy. Like if I see his name on a comic, I'll buy it no matter who writes it. He's absolutely probably my top five for like modern artists. You yeah. Know? But it's really good. He, of, it's very clean too, and like, yes, it's not too complex when it doesn't have to be, and then it does mm-hmm. have a lot of detail when it, it needs it. Like, it's it's yeah, the art's really good in this issue. And the thing is, is there's you know there's such a thing as style and appeal, and you know I guess the beauty of someone's art, but you can't argue his storytelling. It's impeccable, mm-hmm. and the, I think the, the one quality he has that is indisputable is. He is so good at drawing. I mean, people say his anatomy is kind of boxy, but when he draws a hand, that hand looks like it's existing in three-dimensional space. You know, when when he draws a figure, like like that figure looks like they have weight. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And they could like they, they they could knock you over. And it's like a it's a it's a quality that not a lot of artists have. And so for that reason, I really like him. This is a very early example of his art, and here he's inked by Joe Sinnott, who's most famous for doing. Uh, Fantastic Four with Jack Kirby as well as a bunch of other things but uh, as far as the art definitely a classic looking comic mm-hmm. unfortunately before I read this issue um, I mentioned this before but there's a co- there's a website called uh, Spidey Kicks Butt and uh, they've got a list of the worst Spider-Man stories ever written and right. number nine on the list is this issue is it okay? really? yes yes it is and so I kind of went in with a negative opinion of it, and but I'm right. already kind of uh, jaded by Denny O'Neill, and so for me, there's a lot of things I didn't like about it. But I want to hear what you did like about it first. Um, yeah, I I kind of liked uh, Madame Web. I think that okay. that's really what kind of uh, drew me in. I remember her from the uh, the Spider-Man cartoon. That was how I was first introduced to her. And she was like a okay. fun recurring character on that show, and I don't really remember any stories uh, with her in the comics. Like I don't remember any like big moments with that character. So it was kind sure. of nice uh, uh, reading about her and seeing what she was like. Uh, I also kind of liked how everything kind of came to a head here and kind of all connected as well because we've been kind of building up to um, uh, Peter's job at the Globe. Sure. And kind of how his boss is kind of scummy and, uh, you know, not not very nice to Peter, nor really uh, a great boss. So it's yeah. kind of fun to see that. I don't know. I, I thought it was a pretty solid story. 
Well, here's the thing is I, I've always been fascinated by Madam Web just from mm -hmm. seeing like, because I've never saw the cartoon. Like, I mean, I did watch it, but I don't really remember it. Right. But um, like that that cartoon. But um, so it's, I think she's a cool design. You know, I like the idea of mm -hmm. it's kind of strange to have a supervillain be like an old woman, almost like like a, the flip side of like Aunt May. Right. Which is kind of a cool idea. And also her name is Madam Web. So it's which is really on. cool. And, right. and the thing is, she's also not like always a super villain like she's kind of mm -hmm. like a uh, I don't know she's not really a hero not really a villain from what I remember mm -hmm. like she's kind of this just pretty much a fortune teller so she's sure, kind of sure, neutral sure. through it all which is like another thing I like I love her design as well yeah. and just kind of like the idea behind her that like a uh, splash page on page 11 digital okay, let me see or 10, 10 probably original Okay. Oh yeah, like it's the introduction. so yeah. good. I I absolutely mm -hmm. love this with the the machine that's keeping her alive. Has mm -hmm. this like these tubes that are kind of you know uh, shooting out from the center, making this like spider web, and the mm -hmm. the light is casting this spider web like shadow on no, the I ground. Didn't even, I you know I didn't even realize that was the shadow, but yeah, that's really cool. Okay. Like it, it's I don't know it's really interesting. I thought and then. Um, this like weird like black orb that kind of has this like yellow highlight to it even mm -hmm. um, even like the reflections on it it's so black or like this yellow tinge so on uh -huh. the, the next page you see Spider-Man's reflection in this black orby sea yes. and, and it's completely yellow like I just I don't know there, there's something about that I thought was really interesting and a nice design that is really cool mm -hmm. I'll give you that um I guess, okay, so I'll just tell you, going in, um, it was a little bit awkward of a beginning with this terrorist attack on the, what is it, the Daily Globe, is that where they're? Yeah. Daily Globe, yeah, the competitor to the Bugle, which was a little bit over the top, but fine, I can accept that. But right away, I was put off by Spider-Man's dialogue, you know, like, you know, um, you know, uh, does that include me, Chuckles? I mean, I don't have eyebrows, at least none you can see. Maybe I can not twitch my webbing. I, I don't know. It's just trying really hard to be funny. Right. You know, what you are presently viewing, friends, is a demonstration of spider speed. Look impressed now. I don't know. I'm also in the middle of reading um, Stan Lee's Fantastic Four run with Jack Kirby. Right. And honestly, Jack uh, Stan Lee, I've met like I haven't met him, but I've seen him like live in person. He is naturally funny. Yeah, so if he you're really not is. Naturally, yeah, he's great. And you know, you kind of can't fake that. And I've just got a feeling that this is not. Um, Denny O'Neill's forte to write this type of character. Right. So that's something that really uh, put me off. Um, but yeah, once they introduced Madame Web, like, I agree with you, she is a great character design. I know a lot of people don't like her, but I think she's cool. Mm -hmm. But uh, I don't know. I mean, it just it just feels like another sort of strained Denny O'Neill story. But the art is so good that mm -hmm. it doesn't really bother me. Like, I love, you know the page on digital page 20 when there's the fire in the Daily Globe? Yes. There's that giant long panel. I love that That's shot. really, really great. Yeah, it's so cool. Um, I don't know. I guess, I mean, we should probably, so let's talk about what else happens in this issue. Um, sure, yeah. So basically, um, of course, I don't remember, but, um, <laughs> no, so basically <laughs> they have this terrorist attack, and then um, Spider-Man ends up... Um, Let's see. I'm gonna go back here. I'm kind of jumping around. Sure. Yeah. Here. So yeah, what? I don't even remember what happened so, here. Spider-Man. Yeah, yeah, there was this terrorist ahead. attack, and this woman was kidnapped. 
So that, yes. that was that was the point of this whole like terrorist attack. It was they they kind of barged into this building, made a scene, and then stole this woman. And the thing that was left behind was this card for Madame Webb, and that's how she played into oh. it. Okay, wait, yeah, that actually that's the first thing that really irked me. I thought that was preposterous. I don't know. I mean, there's such a thing as you know finding clues, but. To leave that piece of paper at the scene of the crime was a bit over the top. Right. I don't know. What did you think? Yeah, I guess I, I, now that I'm looking at the actual picture too, there's yeah. like her face <laughs> is right there. Yeah, it would have been better if it was like a business card or something. Right. Like that That wouldn't seem so weird because then like if, if it was just kind of like this cryptic message almost. Not, it doesn't have to be cryptic, but just like something well, simple where he has to kind of think about it. Well, that's what I mean. At least give us a couple pages of investigating where maybe it doesn't say Madam Webb. Maybe it says M. Webb or so, I don't know right. what, but some kind of clue. Then he has to track her down. But the fact that it just says Madam Webb and then he goes to her thing and and then he actually says, you, you're Madam Webb? I don't know. It's just kind of ridiculous. Yeah, but, it is a little goofy. I, it, it, mm-hmm. I guess it's another thing that's really kind of uh, off about it too is that she she's like this crazy like – character that's like hooked up to this machine she's a Mm. fortune teller she can see the future she's like this precog and she's like in an apartment building and she runs she runs like a fortune telling business out of her apartment when she's hooked up to this machine yeah uh ridiculous but she also has she's talking about her um She's like, what does she say? I can touch the hidden cords of creation. These blind eyes can see beyond normal sight. In short, I am clairvoyant, a soothsayer, a psychic, a witch, if you will. Ugh, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, again, you know, like I can't hold the dialogue of this time to today's standard because right. it just wasn't written as naturally. But even by those standards, it's a little bit much, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And another thing that kind of uh, stood out to me that kind of going off what you were saying was when Spidey ends up going to the toy factory, the toy uh, toy store. Okay. And he, he says something like, oh, I, uh, she said something about trains. I went to, you know, Grand Central Station and Penn Station and there was nothing there. So I knew it had to be this toy store because yeah. there's toy trains here. <laughs> it's just like, are you kidding me? Oh, he actually says, aren't you going to ask me how I found you? Yeah. 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 No, I'll tell you anyway. I got a hot tip. Yeah. And then he goes on to explain it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Actually, yeah. He says, uh, I realized they didn't have to. Oh, yeah. After I eliminated Penn Station and Grand Central, I realized they didn't have to be real choo-choos. Anyway. Not yeah. great. <laughs> it, but, you know, I, I, I think another thing. Another reason why it might not have worked as well, too, was the fact that the the bad guys didn't say anything to him. So it wasn't yeah. like he was quipping back. It was just like talking to himself, trying to be funny. That's a good point. You're right. It's like... And he, he it, even makes a comment about it, too. Uh, where does he, uh, I think, he say? I think at the beginning, he's chat like... Uh, let me try and find it. Sure. Well, I call this Darth Maul syndrome, where one of the problems with Phantom Menace is that George <laughs> Lucas got lazy and just did. It, it's one thing to have a character not talk a lot, like Boba Fett, but with Darth Maul, it was just because George Lucas just couldn't think of anything. Right. And I think that really ruined his character and just all those scenes with Darth Maul and uh, Obi Wan and Qui Gon that everyone loves so much. I'm just like, they're meaningless to me because he's mm-hmm. just he's just a, a, a visual. You know, there's no character there. Yeah. No, I completely anyway. agree with that. Um, 
But it's on digital page seven. Okay. The entire page, he is... Oh, that's earlier on. Yeah. So the entire page, he's talking just himself (laughs) to these bad guys. And then on the the last panel, says, not answering, huh? I really wish you would. I'm Uh getting tired of the sound of my own cackling wit. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, kind of, again, kind of lazy, right? Like, yeah. Um, yeah, maybe if they had, like, like an actual villain behind it as well. Like, maybe mm-hmm. um, the, the head of the globe. I can't remember his name now. But uh, maybe if he had hired a bad guy. Mm-hmm. Like, maybe that. Mm-hmm. Like, a, like, even a well-known, like, C-list supervillain. Just to kind of... Something. Yeah. To have, you know, something for Spider-Man to kind of bounce off of, but... Mm-hmm. Yeah, even if the bad guys were just saying, even if they were talking to each other, yeah, something something better than this, but but anyway, yeah. Um, so yeah, I guess the thing is, is because the art is so good, like it's not John Romita's best work, but because Joe Sinnott's inking him, mm-hmm. just makes it so classic Marvel. You know, like the 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 pencils, the layouts, the colors, yeah, just so great. Oh, so yeah, I can definitely enjoy it on that level for sure. Yeah. Um, I'm just going to skip ahead now. I, I can't remember how this ends. I want to see if we have a classic Denny O'Neill oh, um, sudden ending. Yeah. Um, it's it's not as... Uh... Well, you know what? Okay, so what I don't like is mm-hmm. that the the actual climax of the main story is kind of rushed because he ends up just right. capturing the bad guy. And then he says, to, unless you'd like to... He says... I can see the headline now. Spider-Man annihilates sensationalist newspaper magnate. Unless you'd like to talk to me about attempted murder, I will. I'll talk to anybody. Right. Okay. Story over. Done. Yeah. Right? So that's crap. That, that's what I was going to say. It, it it has an abrupt ending to like the story that's been going on, but I, I think at least the comic itself doesn't end abruptly. It kind of right, ends right, on right. this kind of like funny gag with um, him losing it, like Peter out of a job. Like right. He's successful as Spider-Man, um, defeating the villain, but by doing so, he lost his job and now he can't pay rent. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of that like good duality of Spider-Man where sure. his ups always come with downs. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, Madam Web uh, calls him and then says that he, she's predicted that he's going to have a job in the future and then... In, uh, J. Jonah Jameson can't get through to him to offer him a job mm-hmm. because he's on the phone with her. So yeah, it's kinda, that's great. Kind of a fun uh, ending to the story, especially after these awful endings we've been we've been getting recently. Yes. So. Not, yeah, not a terrible ending. Definitely mm-hmm. not a terrible ending. Um, let me just see here. Um, <laughs> I'm just gonna I'm just gonna read uh, from the Spidey Kicks Butt website. I'm just gonna read one quick part about. Oh yeah, please do. Why he hated it so much. Um, he basically just says, um, and to compound the sins, the story introduced Madam Web, a character I never liked and never understood why she had to learn Spidey's secret identity. After all, if the writers wanted to give some old lady to talk to, why not just let Aunt Maeve in on the secret? Um, besides the downturn with characters such as Spider-Man having his own psychic friends hotline to help him go from plot A to point B seems like an all too convenient cheat. Anyway, there's definitely mm. more to it than that, but I got a feeling that um, this writer probably just doesn't like madam web and just right. you know what for whatever reason and just sort of finding reasons not to like her i don't hate her but mm-hmm. i can definitely see why he doesn't like her but, uh, you know maybe in future stories we'll kind of see why maybe 
the you know majority of the consensus is that she's not super great. But right. just from this comic, I, I thought that she was pretty interesting. Like she didn't overstay her welcome. Um, I thought her shtick was kind of fun. Yeah, and her whole like design was pretty cool too. So yeah, not bad, definitely. Yeah, I'm curious to so see I, how she's used in 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 the future. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that wraps up Amazing Spider-Man 210. Yeah. Not a bad issue. Um, well, some issues with it, but I still recommend it because of the classic art. Mm-hmm. So now we're going to move on to Marvel Team-Up number 99, which, Josh, you actually pointed out was not available digitally. Right. Um, you, you couldn't find it on, what is it, uh, Marvel Unlimited? Yeah, and, and I'm not sure why that is. Okay, my um, theory... Would you like you to give? Would you like me to give my theory? Yeah, please do. Okay, so my theory <laughs> is because Machine Man was created in um, the Marvel spinoff of uh, 2001: A Space Odyssey, okay. which is an adaptation of the Stanley Kubrick film, and so that was done by Jack Kirby. And in that series, I think it started by adapting the film and then just went off on its own. Mm-hmm. But uh, Jack Kirby ended up creating Machine Man, and I have a feeling that could be why that that issue was not um, included because the, were the issues right before it and right after it in uh, Marvel Unlimited? Did you notice that? Um, no, there's a, there were a couple. Like, even the, the there's a few Marvel team-ups. Like, the, the Marvel team-ups that aren't with Spider-Man weren't there mm. as well. So really? it might just be the fact that they're, like, choosing which ones to convert digitally. Sure. Versus not because I, I don't think that they're just scans of the comic because they look like like remastered. Yeah, so so okay. I'm wondering I'm wondering if uh, they're just choosing picking and choosing what they want to remaster, so they just haven't gotten sure. to everything yet. That could totally be yeah, it, and right. and I think too like some of their like very popular ones. I assume they'll remaster, but then the, they won't put on the unlimited, so that way you can. That way, people will be tempted to buy them more. Sure. Okay. Okay. So, that could be it. Yeah, I do know that. Like, even if you collect something like Marvel Team Up or Marvel Two in One, mm-hmm. for the most part, even for like the collection, the trade paperback collections, you can get almost every issue. But if there's an issue that has, say, Rom, Space Knight, right, or the Micronauts, or Godzilla, Marvel's not allowed to reprint those. Right. Okay. So yeah, but anyway, okay. So this issue. Was another odd one. Um, yeah, it was written by Tom DeFalco, who went on to have a very popular run on Amazing that actually started with the first issue with a black costume. Right. So I'm not sure. Did you read those issues? Uh, yes. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So he's definitely a very popular run with uh, Tom DeFalco or with uh, Ron Friends. So this is probably one of his first issues of Spider-Man. I'm not sure if he did it before this, but he ends up apparently becoming the regular writer coming up soon. And uh, in the letters page of this issue, I'm not sure if you read it, but um, I think it's, yeah, Stephen Grant says that all of his issues were actually fill-ins. Like they just kind of happened to all be in a row. Yeah. So he wasn't actually the regular writer. The new writer will be Tom DeFalco coming up in a few issues. Interesting. Yeah. So, okay, so here's the... This is... Honestly, I didn't love this issue. Yeah. (laughs) And (sighs) I think the reason is because it didn't feel like a Spider-Man comic. It felt like a Machine Man comic. Right. Uh, And and I also didn't really connect with Machine Man a whole lot. No. And you know what I think the problem was for me was that 
I've seen Machine Man. Like I, I used to own the miniseries that was mm-hmm. um, drawn by I don't remember who's drawn by, but it was inked by Barry Windsor Smith. And so basically, it looks like Barry Windsor Smith art. Right. Uh, are you familiar with Barry Windsor Smith? No, I don't think I am. He, um, he's absolutely one of the best um, Marvel artists or, or comics artists. Okay. He's, he's most famous uh, in mainstream, like with mainstream fans, for doing Weapon X. Did you ever see that? Oh, okay, yeah. The original Weapon X, yeah. yes, where you first see the full, you know, details of Wolverine getting his adamantium skeleton. Right. That was Barry Windsor Smith. So he's is, a great is, artist. That's the one where he has like the the weird like helmet on and everything too. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. All that. That's Barry Windsor Smith. Yeah. And so he's famous for doing. He started on I think Avengers or X Men. Then he did Conan. Okay. He actually started Conan uh, with number one. Okay. See, yeah, I'm I'm, and, I'm pretty familiar with with the comics themselves, but the artists sure. and the writers, I. For some reason, have trouble putting the artist's name to the ah, oh, gotcha okay. to the art. So, I I am familiar with a lot of these comics, but the artists and writer names are sometimes lost on me. Sure. So, <laughs> I'm actually better at keeping track of their names than I am of keeping track of the names of my relatives. But really? anyway, okay, <laughs> yeah. So, um, so yeah, this and you know the other thing that struck me as weird about this issue is that again like whenever i saw machine man like in just art or random comics i always imagined him to be sort of like a like robotic sounding like a computer right but then so so i started to read his dialogue in my head like sort of robotic and flat but then as the issue went on he kind of started talking just like a regular human right so it really threw me off and it, it's like i wasn't sure what his character was supposed to be i don't know if you had the same problem yeah, it was it was also kind of jarring too, um, jumping from him being in his like metal man form to his like secret identity. Right. Because I, I didn't pick up on that at first. Yeah, I was like, wait a minute, I, I had to go back. I was and like, who is this yeah. character? And then and exactly. then he, I think, like changed or like he took his helmet uh, on or he put his helmet on and he took it out of his leg or something like that. And I was like, oh, okay, I I, I see now. And then I kind of went back and just backtracked to see. Uh, sure. You know. Yeah, because on, but... first he's sitting there and he has like a metal, just metallic face. Then he puts a human face over top of it. Right. But then the next page, he looks like Clark Kent, like he's a full mm-hmm. human. Yeah. So yeah, it is a little bit odd. Yeah. And then and then later, then he changes. I don't know. I mean, obviously, maybe if I read more of his comics, I would. This would all make perfect sense. But in in the context of this story, yeah, it's a little bit confusing. Yeah. And so I yeah. Agree. It's, not oh i didn't lo- like i said i didn't love it um, yeah there were there were some like <laughs> corny parts too like it seemed kind of uh, i don't know weird at times like well i think he himself kind of looks like a sentinel i don't know if you got that okay. like i just like my first impression i was like oh he kind of looks like a sentinel like i wonder if that's his backstory and like very much so on the cover is where like i thought that the most okay but yeah, I can see it a little bit. Yeah, yeah. definitely. And then, yeah, it's all, I, I don't know because I, I don't know much about this character. Like I don't sure. uh, don't know anything about Machine Man really. So, yeah, I, I was unsure of what to even think of him from the start. And then they didn't really go in and kind of reestablish his character like they do a lot of times in comics. Like even mm-hmm. with Spider-Man. Spider-Man's one of the most, you know, famous characters in, in comics ever mm-hmm. and they still each issue kind of 
throw in a line or two that kind of reintroduces him to somebody if if they're picking up their first ever Spider-Man issue. Yeah, I didn't really get that with this, and it was kind of just like throwing you in and yeah, well, I don't know. I think the other thing too is that um with Pete, with Tom DeFalco, I think he's a decent writer. Mm-hmm. He's definitely uh, like there's times where he seems to be sort of imitating the style of Stan Lee. So he's probably like a big fan of. Well, I know he's a big fan of the old Stan Lee comics because when him and Ron Friends did Thor, apparently they basically just ripped off everything Stanley and Jack Kirby to just sort of oh, rewrote really? it a little bit. Yeah. Like I think Ron Friends is a great artist, but at that time he was really kind of just aping Jack Kirby, which is fine. If you're mm-hmm. going to ape, ape some, you might as well ape might Jack as well, Kirby. Yeah. But, yeah. But um no, like yeah, I think that it's like it's almost like Tom DeFalco takes the most childish elements of Stanley's writing and sort of exaggerates them. Right. And so I'm not a huge fan of his writing, but at least on Spider-Man I usually liked him, but on this in this story, he wasn't great. Like even on the last page, there's a there's a line that really stuck stuck out to me, when um, Machine Man is grabbing the girl, and she and he's like, Pam, let me free you. I was yeah. so worried. And she says, Keep your inhuman hands away from me. Like ridiculous. Yeah. You know, it felt bad very dialogue. yeah disjointed and kind of weird. So there were some parts too where like it felt like you're supposed to take it seriously, and then there were some other parts where this mechanic is strapping a helicopter blades to machine man's head uh-huh, and uh-huh. like a rocket to his back so spider-man can ride on machine man's like why does that... it why is it spider-man just swinging yeah <laughs> like what's yes. going on Ridic- you know it's funny that you say that because that also like it reminds me of when tom defalco did um fantastic four with yeah paul ryan um it was it was one of the probably the lowest points in the whole series you know mm-hmm. and that was when if you i don't know if you remember this but w- that was when the thing had a metal helmet over his head do you remember that oh okay yeah and it's just you just look at that and you go why why yeah. that's not the thing just like here you go why would he do that why would spider-man do that when he can just swing yeah it just doesn't make any sense you know it's weird so basically, yeah. Oh, and we should also point out um, the artist is no oh shit. I just screwed up something, but it's um, Jerry Bingham. Jer- yeah, Jerry Bingham, who did um, I believe he did the Son of the Demon graphic novel with Neil Adams. Okay, I don't think I'm familiar with that. that actually. Yeah, he's like in in my opinion. I mean, he's an okay artist, but he's sort of just like a sta- um, a Neil Adams clone. Right. In my opinion, uh, again, decent art, but. A kind of the same problem that I had with um, what was his name in the last episode? Um, geez, who's the one that did the Craven story? I don't even remember his name now. Oh, oh, geez, I don't remember. Yeah. Well, anyway, it I was can... just kind of like it's like yeah, it maybe just go back and check quick, but it's like or stiff, but realistic, but stiff. That's right. the problem, and that's the problem I had here. Is yes, it's realistic, but it just comes off as like. You know, just kind of stiff and kind of boring. Uh, you know? The 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 cri- oh here you know I could I could find it quick here. Let's see. Alan Wise. Alan, yeah. There you go. Though he did the the cover. Alan Wise. Yeah. He did the interiors too. Did he? Oh, I'm looking okay. at it. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So yeah, again, he was a good artist, but he's just a little bit not really appropriate for comics, in my opinion. Right. And I kind of feel the same way about this. It's mm-hmm. just a little bit 
Uh, yeah. Not not comic booky. Not terrible though, mm-hmm. but just not comic booky. Yeah. So yeah, not much else to say about this. Um, I think the 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 <laughs> one like the the few good things that I I kind of uh, took from this, I I kind of like Baron Brimstone. Okay. I like. I don't know much about him. This is the first time I've mm-hmm. ever been introduced to this character. I thought he was uh, pretty interesting uh, compared to a lot of the villains we've been reading in these like sure. past few few weeks that we've been reviewing Spider-Man comics. Um, mm-hmm. I kind of liked how there's also a little bit of mystery with him too. You don't know if he's actually a sorcerer or if it's all an illusion, and sure. uh, if he's it's almost like a Mysterio type thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also kind of like how they teamed him up with Sandman because he is like this, like intellectual kind of villain, and Sandman is this kind of stupid, Roughness. like yeah, yeah exactly, like, yeah, brawn. So it's kind of like the uh, kind of like a good pairing, I thought. Sure. Uh, and I think that my favorite part is when um, Brimstone offers him uh, Bailey and Irish cream. And he yes. said, "Now I'm good with my beer, thanks." Like I, I don't yes. know why that, that stood that, out. Yes, that, that stood out to me too. Yep. Yeah, and, and I think it was just that you completely understood those characters mm-hmm. uh, and and who they were to each other from that one little piece of dialogue. The 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 right. Bailey's was kind of like a little bit more like civilized and sure. and like classy, I guess. And and Sandman yeah. is kind of a you know brash and he's like nah i'm good i've got my beer thanks and it was just kind of like that juxtaposition i thought was really fun and kind of showed you their dynamic right from the start without even having to have them like actually team up to do anything yet good point yeah Yeah, i i totally noticed that too yeah Mm -hmm. so what we could have here is another case of well i mean with as as what as with a lot of these marvel team-ups is it's basically a commercial for whoever the guest star is right right so then you can see like they referenced dazzlingly, you know, at the bottom of that page, dazzlingly depicted in Machine Man number 16. You right. know? So that's fine. Whatever. I mean, that's what it's here for. But again, another kind of odd issue, like the feeling I'm getting at this point, because I'd never really read much Marvel team up and I'm starting to get the feeling that at this point it was kind of the, the odd man out mm-hmm. out of the regular, out of the three Spider-Man titles. Yeah. It kind of seems like that is the, the consensus every week for us so. yeah yeah okay so now we can move on to oh if you thought that was something how about marvel team up annual yes uh what is this number three which doesn't once again does not even feature spider-man okay so not you want really to tell everybody, no no a little bit a little bit kind of a little bit i guess uh yeah. but not really uh, yeah, this is a this is a team up with uh, Power Man and Iron Fist, but you also have the Hulk mm-hmm. there as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so this one was kind of weird. We have the Hulk kind of being manipulated by. Um, oh, I I am just oh great what's for his names. Name? Her yeah, name what's is his name? Uh, oh a Nightshade. Nightshade, yeah, right. And she's kind of manipulating him and uh, Power Man and and Iron Fist have kind of got to deal with the Hulk because the Hulk is being manipulated by her and it's just kind of this big misunderstanding. Um, yeah. I mean, what else really happens in this? Like, it, it, it's so long, but it feels like nothing happens. Well, here's it's, the thing. It- 
I'll just say quick, it's written by Roger Stern, whom we love, mm-hmm. and it's drawn by Herb Trimpey. I'm not sure if we've talked about Herb Trimpey I don't think yet, so. have we? So Herb Trimpey, uh, was, he started at Marvel, I think, in the 60s, and one of the things that um, I've been told about him is that Stanley told him flat out, Herb, you know, you, you, you're, I think he said something like, your drawings are ugly, but you know how to tell a story. And so that's kind of his reputation, right? right. His artwork is not look pretty, but he's such a good, he's a classic storyteller. And so I was first exposed to him. Have you ever read um, the classic GI Joe Marvel comic? Um, I've I've read a couple of issues, but I haven't like read or run or anything. Yeah. Okay. Because yeah, he was the, the the first artist on that. He started it out. He drew all the famous like that famous GI Joe number one with all the GI Joe members coming at you and okay, yeah. jumping. That's all him. Okay. So if you go back to the original GI Joe merchandise, like a lot of the you know the games you'd buy and the color form and all that stuff mm-hmm. would all be Herb Trimpey art. And he's, I, I never thought he was great, but as I grew older, I started to appreciate him more. Just like someone like Sal Buscema, you know, mm-hmm. just like a classic Marvel artist. And so this is an example of the art. It, it almost looks, I don't want to say childish, but it, it looks a little bit primitive. Mm-hmm. But he, in my opinion, he's such a good uh, storyteller that and I, just, I just don't care. I love it. Mm-hmm. Um, as for the story... Uh, the only thing I can say is that I've never, I don't think I've ever read more than one or two issues of Power Man and Iron Fist. Mm-hmm. And based on this, I don't know if I want to read any more. Yeah, yeah. it's, it's, uh, it feels kind of dragged out and like so little happens over so many pages. Like they, yeah. they, they always have a fun dynamic, I find, Iron Fist and Power Man, but. Sure. Um, and, and I think that the, the chemistry they have, like, I, there's never a moment where I don't like the two of them together and the dialogue that they're having, but mm-hmm. the, the things that are happening aren't very exciting. So I'm, I'm curious as to like, if, if, um, if they, if there's, there's the same problem in their comic, like if, sure. if it's still kind of feels dragged out or if, because maybe it's a little bit shorter, they can kind of power through it and, and like cut down on a lot of this extra stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I used to say that it didn't matter. Like, the characters didn't matter. It was always the writer because the writer could make even a bad character interesting. But right. I'm starting to think more and more like that, no, like, clearly Spider-Man is the better character because it's almost like no matter who writes them, they can kind of write a good Spider-Man story. Mm-hmm. But it, it seems to, like, the same writer writing Power Man and Iron Fist, I just... I like them, but not nearly as much as I like Spider-Man. You know, I, I wonder, though, how much of that has to do with how well-established Spider-Man is already and how well-known he be. is. Because, like, either of us, probably without any writing experience, could write at least a, a story or a premise that feels like Spider-Man because we know that character so well. Sure. Right? Because, yeah, I'm not sure. Like, I, I'm, I'm curious I, to I see... Like, or like, I'm curious if, if, if it is the fact that there, he's just a better character or if it's just that he's so, like, well-known and, and kind of has this history history already. I think it's a little of both. And mm-hmm. I think, one like, I think it's, it seems to me that, like, like you said, like, you and I could probably whip up a Spider-Man story or a Batman story mm-hmm. or maybe even a Superman story and it would fit and it would make sense as, like... To fit into that, you know, milieu or whatever. Mm-hmm. But Power Man Iron Fist, I don't think we could. But also, 
even just reading this issue, you kind of go, okay, so what is it? Okay, so they're they're heroes for hire, so they get paid. They've got this headquarters, I guess, and right. I don't know. I, I mean, it's it's not a bad concept. It's just um, I I don't know. I mean, the fact that the concept didn't last and it kind of mm-hmm. didn't come back. I mean, and then putting the two characters together, do they really work together? I mean, the characters play off each other well, but yeah, it's just kind of an odd duck. The whole concept yeah. is weird to me, you know? And and you know what? I think that maybe that theory will be tested out throughout the course of this podcast. Sure. Because maybe, uh, you know, after a couple of weeks of, of reading Spider-Man comics over and over again, if the stories aren't great, will the the idea of having some fun action with the villains plus a little bit of uh, Peter Parker troubles mixed together, like, will that be enough to keep us, like, returning uh-huh. and wanting to read us and, and, like, being excited for more Spider-Man? Or will it get old after a while? Because a lot of the comics we've... Well, not a lot, but... Uh, a few of them that we've read haven't been super great, but they still feel like Spider-Man and they still have those aspects that you know for sure. That's that's Spider-Man. He's quipping and he's having fun and the action is great. And then he's got the girl troubles and he can't pay rent and he's losing mm-hmm. his job. Like, I wonder how much that will hold up and if, if it'll get tired if we're not continuously getting stories that are better and better. Yes, that's so, a good point. I think the other thing, too, is that a lot of times, if it's been a while since I've read an old 70s or 80s comic, mm-hmm. usually what will happen is, um, if let's just say I read like a run, like the first issue, the novelty of like, oh, like the nostalgia of like, oh, it's a like 70s, 80s comic, like I can't wait to read this again. But then you try reading 10 of those in a row, mm-hmm. and the novelty starts to wear off. And then you start to actually analyze the stories, right? And judge them based on how good they actually are, right. rather than just the, the nostalgia. So yeah, I know what you're saying. Um, you know, I kind of forgot Machine Man was also in this one too. Yeah, very briefly. Kind of a blur. Yeah. yeah. They and they really just use him to track down this machine that they're looking for, like this item that was stolen. Mm-hmm. That was um, really it. I, I I actually do like this Nightshade character only because um if you look see, because like if you look up Nightshade's entry in the Marvel Universe, let me see if I can find okay. it. I just remember the art being really good, and I didn't know anything about her character, but the the art was so good that I just thought she was fascinating, and like she's basically wearing like almost nothing, so and kind of a cool character. But they didn't really do much with her like after yeah. the seventies. I don't think, like you know, like I never heard anything about her when I was growing up. So mm-hmm. I don't know Tilda Johnson. I don't know. I don't know anything about her, but yeah, I mean, at least she was cool in the story because. She's introduced as what you think is kind of like this Dr. Doomish type character, but then she reveals herself to be Nightshade, a girl, in like this punk outfit, and then you kind of find out that she's not what the Hulk thought she was, so that's kind of cool. Yeah, they they at least kind of like wrote her well. mm -hmm. Um, I think that that also giving her like, giving her her moment to kind of actually trick Hulk and Mm -hmm. to like overpower him like it, it like beat the hulk in in some sure. way which doesn't happen too often right hulk is kind of like overpowered and usually will just smash things so kind of mm-hmm. having this whole gimmick where she has that um is it a ray or like a spray or something that kind of uh calms yeah, him down yeah so yeah 
I, th- I thought that she was pretty interesting in this for sure. Yeah, definitely cool. Um, so I guess, okay, so then the question is, again, we have another bizarre one because do we enjoy this issue? Do we recommend it? I think it's uh, decent. Yeah. I, I wouldn't recommend it though. Like, I, it, okay. I, like it wouldn't be something that I would tell somebody, oh, yes, I, I, you should read this. I wouldn't discourage anybody from reading it, but sure. I, I, it definitely wouldn't be something that I would point out to somebody who, you know, wants to read a Power Man and Iron Fist comic or a Hulk comic or, or even a team up comic. Like, it doesn't really stand out as something that's great. I don't know. I hear that. I think you know it's what? just good. <laughs> I think it depends on the on who you're recommending it to. If it's someone yeah. who loves this type of thing, I would recommend it. But if you're trying to, uh, you know, encourage someone to the, you know, if you're trying to convince someone that comics are great, this is not a comic to start yeah. with. Right? So, yeah, I'll agree with you on that. Okay, so our final comic this week is Peter Parker... The Spectacular Spider-Man number 48. Yes. And once again, I did really like this issue. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of uh, the culmination of the initial arc of Roger Stern's run so far in Spectacular. Mm -hmm. So it's Roger Stern and Marie Severin. um, And it's the climax of the story with um, Belladonna and um, Prowler 2, I guess you could call him. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I'll, I'll start off by saying... I did really like the art. Um, it, it's not my favorite style of art, but Marie Severin is a classic Marvel artist from the 60s. And she, mm-hmm. she, you know, she was trained, I guess you could say, or she learned you know, by working with people like Jack Kirby. And so her storytelling is impeccable. Um, it felt like a classic comic. And there were some great character moments. Like I really... So basically what happens is, is Spider-Man was trapped in this whatever it was, some type of room. And he thought that um, he was being choked to death by this gas. So he breaks through the glass and finds out that, uh, what's her name? Belladonna's not actually there. She's just on like a TV screen. And then right. it kind of goes from there. But basically, I like the fact that once they go outside to the police, I really like this scene with this cop here. Um, what's his name? Um, Detective Sergeant Snyder. Right. When he's when he's basically offering him for for Spider Man to come in for questioning and then Spider Man takes off. Yeah. But I, I love the fact that Spider Man's like he actually says, Now why did I do that? Snyder was actually being civil to me. Right. No, like, you know, blah 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 and then he's like and then he's actually thinking about it and he's like, Well, He's like, keep it light. He's like, that's it, Parker. Keep it light, and everyone will ignore your little lapses in judgment, right? Yeah. Wrong, real wrong. So he's like thinking, and he's going on and on, and he's like, oh, um, and he keeps thinking, and he's like, was the thought of standing soaking wet in a precinct house for two hours that distasteful? That distasteful, or is there a deeper reason? And it's just the fact that he spends an entire page second guessing himself. Yeah, I, I was gonna say, I, when I first read that page, I was kind of put off by it like I didn't uh-huh. it didn't feel like Spider-Man like he he was kind of a jerk and just kind of left right and then yeah having that whole next page to kind of reflect on that and having uh-huh. him kind of realize that maybe it's this whole like Spider-Man persona taking over he doesn't mm-hmm. want to kind of uh, buy into that whole like tough macho hero mm-hmm. role where he just wants to be that friendly neighborhood Spider-Man yeah. Yeah. Well, it's also because, um, you know, there's, you know, I don't want to name any names, but there's been times when 
artists have been giving have been given writing assignments mm-hmm. and what they tend to do is they they tend to write generic scenes with generic dialogue and generic characters but i think it takes like a real writer like roger stern to take the story in an unexpected direction by dwelling on such a small detail you know like the fact mm-hmm. that you know the cop came up and he wasn't knee he wasn't a knee jerk reaction it wasn't a stereotype he was actually talking to spider-man and you're, it's like you said, Spider-Man could have reacted the way he did and just took off. Mm-hmm. But the fact that he went back on it, and who knows, this will probably come back, right? So this could actually lead somewhere. And I think that's what makes it really cool. Yeah. I think that there were a few other parts, too, that felt like it could have it could lead somewhere in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, even this relationship with uh, Snyder at the end, kind of like fixing that a little bit, too. Like going back and, and fixing how he was awful to the to the officer with right. with you know capturing and kind of closing this case um mm-hmm. another thing that was a little interesting too is um this whole bear getting burned and then thrown yeah, that in the dumpster so weird. that's so I know. weird uh, like i i'm curious like it was so like it was literally three panels like it's a third of the page of this mm-hmm. bear, like this bur- half burnt bear sitting in the trash, this guy stops, sees golly, what a what a neat bear! It's amazing somebody would throw that away, and then goes and picks it up and leaves. And yeah, I'm just like, they never go back to it. Yeah, is this this is God? This has got to come into play at another time too. And he's also like like a very. He's got like a very specific design. Like he's in this green sure. coat, with like the the gray vest and tie, and he's got this belt with an S symbol on it. Yes, that's weird too. I didn't notice that. So like, I, I'm wondering if this is something that's going to connect in a later issue or not. Well, but you know if, what else? If not, that's such a weird thing to like add. I don't like. I don't know what that adds to the comic. Okay, you know what I'm wondering? I'm wondering if this is like a fictional character that's sort of just making a cameo like maybe it, it, it's almost like it's like yeah like a real fictional character from a tv show or a novel that we just don't recognize it could be maybe right? that 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 yeah. could be it yeah i'll have to look that up but anyway yeah like even just flipping through the pages of this issue there's just such a difference between a generic sort of action story and a story like this that takes its time with characters. Like, just yes. go to page um, Digital 8 or Original 7. You know, it's like, okay, he's, you know, he's just changed out of his Spider-Man costume. So his costume's hang- hanging in the bathroom. Then he's on the phone. You see that middle panel with him recoiling in disgust from the phone mm-hmm. because J. Jonah Jameson is yelling at him. And then the next shot, it's almost like, if you didn't know this was a, this was a Spider-Man comic, it almost feel like a horror comic. Like some yeah. of the lighting and like like the candle and like just, it's great. And then like Deborah Whitman's at the door and he doesn't want to let her into the bathroom because that's where Spider-Man costume is. And there's just such attention to detail. And then because the light, um, you know, isn't working properly, it starts the bear on fire. And it's just such a... He just spends so much time on these little details, and it's great. Yeah, yeah, you and know? and it's set up to kind of like it's so small, and it's only over a mm. few page pages. But setting up that the light is broken right at the beginning of this, and then having it pay right. off at the end is great because a lot of times in comics they just kind of do things because they need to do them. So right, right, right. it's not really that much of a setup and payoff, but it having at mm-hmm. least 
it planned out an idea of what you want and and like a reason for things to happen really goes a long way in comics sure um but yeah the the art in this is is very good uh it does it does kind of feel like a horror like especially on uh page digital page eight that bottom left corner or bottom left panel where he's like opening the door and he's carrying out the candle like that's so absolutely eerie and weird Mm-hmm. And then absolutely, and then even Deb kind of being a little thrown off. I mean, she says she's a little like um, nervous because Peter's in his bathrobe, but like she mm-hmm. right from the beginning, she's kind of like off. Peter's a little bit off, and then this whole thing with the fire and mm-hmm. like it's just yeah, everything kind of plays into itself. It's really good few pages here. Right. And then it goes to the next sequence where we have the Prowler in his hospital bed. Mm-hmm. And again, it's another great page where, you know, again, just ignore the dial. Now, I, I want you to take a look. Just look at this page, okay? And I want I want every modern writer to look at this page, okay? At the top page, we have him laying in his bed with all the cops around him, right? Mm-hmm. Then we get a close-up of his face. Then we get the wider shot of him sort of looking. You, we kind of reveal that he's got his claws next to him, right? The next page, he uses the claws. So he knocks out the cop. The next panel, he's already in the cop clothes in disguise. In the last panel, he's out the door. Mm-hmm. So in one page, we've got a complete scene, right? Where we we go from one like um, situation with the character to another. And in one page, he's gone from being in this bed, being guarded by all these people with all these nurses and doctors around. And then by the end of the page, he's... He's gone. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? So it's just great. Like a complete scene in one page. It's amazing. Yeah. They don't have to like drag it out or over explain anything. They really kind no. of show you in just six panels kind of right. what's going on with this character. So yeah, it's really well done. I yep. mean, even even going on to the next page, like there's a still, it still kind of continues with mm-hmm. him going up to this nurse and then driving right. away in the car and you see him. Like, you don't see him actually do anything to her. You just see him, like, stop and talk to her. The car's driving away, and then it, you know, cuts to him driving the car, kind of menacing, like, right. with his brows furrowed. And and it's – okay, now, you know what this kind of reminds me of? Did you ever see the movie – I'm sure you have – No Country for Old Men? Yes. Yeah. Okay. That's one of the best movies I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I didn't notice, but someone pointed out, is that every time – he murders in that movie you see less and less each time but it gets scarier and scarier right so by and i don't want to spoil the movie if you haven't seen it but there's a scene towards the end where he's sitting and he's talking to someone and they're just sitting there talking Mm -hmm. and then it cuts to an exterior of the house and he walks out and he just i think he just looks down and wipes some blood off his shoe and you're like oh my god he killed them and it's a bit they don't show anything so it reminds me of this so it's like he walks outside and he sees this nurse and then and then it just cuts and he's just driving her car Mm -hmm. and it's and and he's thinking i hope that nurse was leaving and not arriving they'd notice her missing before they would me so what does that mean yeah did Did he he kill her her? did he knock her out exactly oh and they don't show it don't explain it yeah very very good see and so and that's a great way where you know you're reading this comic mm-hmm. it's probably you know it's a comics code approved so kids are reading it right but you don't need to show it you just now our imagination goes oh my god what happened to this woman and, right? and i mean even at the end when he's facing off against 
uh, her, she, um, he even makes a comment like, I've already murdered. What's another more, what's one more on my record? I don't think it's really gonna yes. play to like, so, so even that was kind of like, dang, he really does not care. Like mm-hmm. he's, he's just in it for the revenge and he kind of just sees red and, and that's it. Sure. So, yep. so that even plays into kind of his, you know, kind of scary side. Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, well done. Uh, okay, so now we get into like, <clears throat> it gets complicated because what happens then is that Spidey or Peter Parker is investigating, um, he's trying to find out who Belladonna is. And then it gets kind of weird because then he thinks that it's, um, what's her name? Uh, oh, Desiree Von Pope. Right. Right? Pardon me. So then he goes to her apartment, but her sister's there. And of course, her name's Narda Ravana. I don't know why she or she's a different last name, but yeah. whatever. Um, so then they have this little exchange and blah, blah, blah. And then Spidey leaves. But then she gets on the phone and you find out that she's actually double-crossed mm-hmm. him. And it's now, and this is what's weird is because in hindsight, we know that Roderick Kingsley is the Hobgoblin. Right. So it gets, it, it's just, it's just, it's just interesting to see all these characters double-crossing each other. Yeah. And um, I don't know. It's a nice little resolution. And the other thing is, as far as I know, I don't think Belladonna's ever come back because I've certainly never heard of her. Have you? No, no, I haven't. No, but it's just cool that Roger Stern put so much thought into this little storyline right. with her, you know? And, so um, I, I've got a question. Does does her sister ever appear before? Because I don't remember her, remember her at qu- all. I don't know. Okay. And you know what I'm going to do as we're talking... I'm just going to look it up really quick. So if she hasn't shown up before, I actually kind of don't like it. Like I, I didn't, I didn't yeah, really I like this like, twist um, when I, like when I read it because they didn't introduce her before. It wasn't really a twist that, oh, she was really the one behind it all because she was never in the picture before. Yeah. She can't, you know, her sister can't really be a red herring if she was the only character that was introduced and could have possibly yes. been the villain. So I think that if they had introduced her briefly before mm-hmm. and kind of shown maybe like a small panel of her at the scene of a crime or something like, like kind of hinting yes. at it, but still trying to point in the other direction. Like, I uh, don't, don't look at this kind of like, look at, look at her sister. It's, it's definitely Desiree. Then I think that, then, then I think it would have worked as a good twist more, but mm-hmm. I felt it kind of uh, it was a little bit weaker for me because yeah, she wasn't ever a thing before this. No, these, that's, this instance. So, you know what? I totally agree with you. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm going to point out that she. I'm I, I'm on this website called MarvelFandom.com. Mm-hmm. That's where I don't know if you ever gone on there. Yeah, a bit. But it, yeah, yeah, but you can get it like it's basically just like a rundown of every Marvel comic. So each issue has the writer, penciler, all the facts, whatever. And she doesn't have her own entry. Like her name mm. in this comic is just red. It's like the hyperlink doesn't go to anything. So this might be her only appearance. So yeah. you're right. It's kind of a cheap red herring, but still better than what we've got in most of the yeah. other comics this month, this week. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, for so, sure. Oh, and by the way, I also I found out who the guy was that pulled that found the bear. It's writer Len Wein. Oh, okay. Yes. Yeah, so the and so this is the explanation from MarvelFandom.com. It says the man who recovers Pete's 
Peter's burned stuffed animal is writer Len Wein. The story was published around the time that he left Marvel Comics to work for DC, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, That's all. Okay. So, yeah, so it's kind of like a little tribute to Len Wein. Right. And that would also explain why he has the Superman symbol on his belt. Yes. With that S. There you go. Okay. Right. So, I guess, yeah, we were. See, I didn't notice the S. You did, but. You we, you also pointed out that it's so specific the way he's dressed that it, he must be someone. So right, yeah, yeah. So yeah. Anyway, so that that explains that. Okay. So anyway, back to the story. So then, basically, Prowler two. Um, mm-hmm. So Spidey um, tracks down Belladonna. Well, who he and, thinks is Belladonna. Right, right, right. After, after her, yeah, and uh, she kind of points him to. Um, I can't believe myself today with the like just blanking no. on literally everybody's no, my, my name. Brain, yeah, my, my brain's <laughs> fried. My brain's fried every day. But yeah. Um, um, uh, but yeah, he, he she kind of like points him in the wrong direction, and uh, yes, it ends up being kind of like a a, a trick, and then. Mm-hmm. So he he's waiting for him with a he's waiting for Spider-Man with a gun because he's also tipped off that Spider-Man is coming. So she's kind mm-hmm. of trying to get rid of both of them, killing mm-hmm. two birds with one stone. So he's prepared with a gun to shoot him. And Spider we see Spider-Man jump through this glass window. Yes. And he's shot, and we are told that he dies. Okay. This was ridiculous. <sighs> I really hated that. Yeah, it was not good. Um, wait, I want to find that. Uh, okay, so that's on page. We're talking about page um, digital 19, right? Yeah. When he crashes through. So, okay, so we see Spider-Man on top of the roof, and he's thinking. So it is Spider-Man. He has a thought bubble. The next panel, he crashes through the window, and then in the second panel, he gets shot. Then, uh, then, it, then the next panel, okay, this is the police open up, blah, blah, blah. Then Spider-Man's laying on the ground, and then the cops come in, and basically everyone assumes that he's that Spider-Man is dead. Yeah. Then a couple pages later, tell us what happens, Josh. So Spider-Man tells us that he that wasn't actually him. That was a mannequin from the ne- the shop next door who had a Spider-Man Ridiculous. costume there. It was just like, are you kidding me? Like, what a cheap way to like get your character out of a pickle. Like, why why not? Like, I don't know. Show us the mannequin ahead of time. You, you have to. In, in like, passing yeah. or something. Like, whoa, I thought that was my reflection. And then, yep. and then he continues on to the, to the, there the building you go. or something. Like, you uh, have to, yep. It, it was so bad. It, yeah, it was, mm-hmm. oof, it really sucked. But, but also his explanation, like, and here's the thing. I love 60s Superman comics, but this is worthy of a 60s Superman comic where Superman would solve the story and then you you wouldn't know why until the very last page where they'd be like well superman i don't understand how did you do it he'd be like well simple i realized and then he would just flash back and explain how he right <laughs> you know used his cape to do whatever but it, here it's like spider actually says you know uh you know then i noticed uh roddy boy's gun so i decided to run a little scam there's a costumer's next door to roddy's place and they had the mannequin this with the nicest spider-man suit you ever saw in the storeroom well it used to be in the storeroom yeah it's pretty bad it's (laughs) yeah it's very corny and kind of like yeah so a blot on and a, a 
otherwise pretty darn good issue of Spidey. Mm-hmm. Um, again, kind of the end of um, Rogers' initial arc here. And so far, I definitely think this is the strongest of the, the three regular Spider-Man monthlies. Yeah. Uh, spectacular. Like, the fact that we had far more to t- say about this issue than the other ones. I mean, I think it kind of proves it, right? Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think, yeah, this, I, this was this, this was definitely my favorite issue of the week. Um, mm-hmm. I think the Amazing Spider-Man cover was my favorite cover. Yes, yes. But... And, and the the inking by Joe Sinnott made the art mm, more satisfying, but the yeah. storytelling by Marie Severin in this issue is great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I guess that wraps up this uh, week. We So next week, we'll be following along with... Uh, what are we now at? December 1980? Yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll be at December 1980, which will uh, bring us to Amazing Spider-Man number 211, uh, Marvel Team Up 100, and Peter Parker, the Spectacular Spider-Man number 49, if I'm nice. correct. So, yes. Yeah, I'm uh, looking forward to that. Um, if you guys want to uh, let us know what you thought about the issues that we just talked about or if you've got some stuff to say about the issues that we're going to be talking about next week uh you can find us over at uh comic syndicate on twitter and the you can find us at comic book syndicate on facebook as well we'd love to hear from you and uh see what you guys had to say about the podcast and also what we're talking about too so uh yeah we uh want to keep that conversation going Right, and uh, speaking of conversations, if you're on the bus or you're walking down the street and you're having a conversation with a random person, make sure you mention, here comes the Spider-Cast. Yeah, please do. <laughs> the world's greatest <laughs> podcast about Spider-Man. <laughs> so yeah, we'll see you guys again, or actually, you'll hear from us again next Monday. Here comes the Spider-Cast with Michael and Joshua Jamer. All see right. See you next week. Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%.